The Morning Invasion brings you Shock Therapy Live featuring Pastor Nate Heitzig. Call now, 338-3700 or email us at studio at star88.fm. Man, he looks all grown up, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) He's here in the flesh. His name is Robinson Crusoe. Robinson Crusoe. Because he looks like he's on an island? Yeah. Yeah. The Count of Monte Cristo. You did the ribeye of the sky, and now people have questions for you, man. We got a lot of questions for Shock Therapy Live already. Hit me. What's the roast of the coast? (laughs) The roast of the coast. (laughs) Hey, what's the soda of North Dakota? Ooh. Orange soda. What's the pork of New York? Ooh, Ooh wow. That's the good. Pork of People New York. are like, man, really witty this morning. <laughs> What's the fillet of the bay? Oh! Well done. Mm. Well done. Mm. That's good. Seagulls? <laughs> Maybe seagulls? I don't know. I can't imagine those would taste very good. I can't either. That's funny. Yeah. Guys, yeah. it's Shock Therapy Live. It's not uh it's not meat eater hour, okay? <laughs> man. But What's the flank of the bank? <laughs> Gosh, man. That's good. That's good. <laughs> That's yeah. good. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways. Anyway, shock there be live. What's the tri-tip of the tri-state? <laughs> man, you're pretty good at this. <laughs> he knows a lot of cuts of meat. Yeah, you do. Dude. I'm uh, sitting here like, okay, round roast. <laughs> round <laughs> roast. Yeah. What's the turkey of Albuquerque? <laughs> no, that's not good because that's already been used by every restaurant in Albuquerque, the, the Albu- Albuquerque, Albuquerque turkey. turkey. Yeah. Well, what is it? The Albuquerque turkey. What's the ambrosia of Indonesia? That doesn't that's work. Terrible. What's the turf of the earth? <laughs> turf. What's the turf of the turf earth? Turf of the earth is turf. <laughs> it's grass. <laughs> Literally turf. What's the grass from your... Oh, wait. <laughs> Don't do that. It's not good. Uh, guys, it's Shock Therapy Live. What's yeah. Shock Therapy Live, Nate? Um, Shock Therapy Live is the... No, I was going to try to think of another it's the pun. the hour of power. Nope. That's TBN. Yeah, it's TBN. Not that. We'll be less offensive. We'll be less hour of powery <laughs> yeah. and more Howard Sterney. I like Ooh. that. All right. What is Shock Therapy Live? I don't know. What is Shock Therapy Live? I don't know. Steve, what is Shock Therapy Live? Shock Therapy Live. Well, you know, it's it's funny because I think back when Nate and I started Shock Therapy Live, it was like this is the real hour. This is the hour where mm. we get to talk and be real and 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 do things within our faith that you don't really hear talked about on radio. And I'm yeah. proud to say, like, I honestly believe that Star 88 as a whole, like, we believe that we can be real about certain things. Now, right. I will say this hour is a little more raw if you will we talk about personal issues we talk about struggles we talk about things going on in people's lives we got a we got a really good uh testimony actually this morning because of shock therapy live that's they awesome said, hey i had written you guys a few months ago because i had found my biological father whom i had reconnected with and was terminally ill i don't know if you guys i do that. i remember yeah. that question yeah well here's the deal he passed away two weeks ago and while i'm grieving i got to know him and forgive him. Wow. And I'm joyful that he knew and loved Jesus. Wow. Come on. So I just wanted to say thank you for the great advice about bringing Jesus to him. because That's so good. That's awesome. Hi. Hey. You are very pink. And and that's why we do this show, man. (laughs) I remember when we we set up to this show, we said, man, there's a lot of things that people feel uncomfortable talking to their pastors and talking Mm -hmm. to people in church about. And we said, you know, these things like masturbation, medicinal marijuana, stem cell research, um, we really went through a whole gamut of things, 
And that's what this show set out to do. And so we we talk about things that we don't normally get to talk about on the radio station, but we approach from a standpoint of there's a biblical view on yeah. these things, on these issues. Yeah. And so kind of our mentality and our point of view is these things are being talked about by kids at school, whether we talk about them in our Christian homes or not. Yeah. And we think we need to talk about them from a Christian perspective so that our kids, so that people can get a Christian worldview on these issues mm-hmm. and then go back into this world that's talking about them in a very crude way and have some biblical perspective to to address it with. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, as a Christian, as a husband and a father, there are times where you wake up, and what happens if you wake up one day and you're like, <clears throat> I'm not attracted to my spouse, or I really want to strangle my kids, or I yeah. think I just want to move by myself, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, we get stuff like that. Yeah. Because it's, not only is that hard to talk to a pastor about, that's hard to talk to a family member about, or a friend, totally. or, uh-huh. you know what I mean? Because you feel so isolated or on, a, on an island uh, because nobody's dealing with what you're dealing with, and that's because... Christians don't talk about a lot of things. Yeah. And so we want to talk about those things because we are Christians. We are, we are also very much so human beings with fallible brains that uh, we need advice from time to time. And sometimes we struggle with these questions, especially if we don't have a firm understanding and knowledge of our Bibles. Yeah. Um, when something like uh, you know, legal marijuana comes up, we're like, well, if it's legal, why is it wrong? Because I thought I just wasn't supposed to do it because it's legal. So if it's legal, is it still a sin? Yeah, And people have these questions, and unfortunately, a lot of times when they ask their parents or their pastors, their pastors or parents come from a place of judgment of, well, I hope oh, you're not man. thinking about doing this. And, I, and yeah. it comes from this place where now they never want to ask another question of those people ever again. Yep. So we sit out with this goal of saying, man, we want to be unshockable listeners. Yeah. Look, you could call us and let us know that you just murdered somebody, and we'd probably call the cops on you, but we wouldn't sit on the on the phone and go, oh, what? Yeah. You did what? How dare you? Shame on you. No, we're going to talk to you. We're going to talk to you honestly yeah. in a very real standpoint, give you a biblical worldview on what you're dealing with. But our goal is to be unshockable listeners. And let me be real, man. One of the more damaging things you can do as a spouse, as a parent, as a friend, as a pastor, as a whatever, is tell someone you want them to be real. Man, I love you. And I just be real and let's talk. And, the, and then use that against them when they're truthful with you. Yeah. Because I've heard way too many stories of people who went, try to go to their parents with something or try to go to their pastor or their spouse or whatever it may be with something. And then the response they got was that very, yeah. was the wrath or the angry or how could you or how dare you um, or I can't believe whatever those terms may be that come out of the mouth because then you have damaged a relationship to a point where they don't trust you enough to want to talk to you. Right. Which is why you and I felt like years back, we yeah. needed to we needed to do a show where people felt safe enough to to talk to us about things that are quite shockable to, you know, the church or to whatever, but that we could find unshockable because we know that we are sinners yeah. and that we fail and that we want grace and mercy and compassion and wisdom and 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 truth. And so And we've um, seen we've seen the show do that. We've seen incredible yeah, testimonies of people yeah. calling in with really crazy stuff. Yeah. And we've been able to give a biblical perspective on it. We've seen a lot of life change happen because of this show. And I was thinking about it the other day, I was like, man, how fun has it been that we've gotten to do this show? And we've seen just crazy stories, even just testimonies, not even from people who had their lives changed, but just saying, man, it's fun to hear Christians talk Mm -hmm. in just a real way and realize that Christians aren't all these 
uptight, weird people that they can just have honest conversations and yeah. be fun and at the same time give a Christian biblical worldview. Well, I mean, think about this, Dexter. You used to podcast Shock Therapy Live when you were on the edge mm-hmm. and now part of Shock Therapy Live. Like it's it's early 2019 and looking back at the years when Nate and I first started it to where we are now, to be still be able to speak truth into this culture that's rapidly changing like when we first started it was like hey man can you be a christian and drink alcohol or can you be a christian and get and a what, tattoo and, and listen to secular music yeah and, or can mm-hmm. you be and now, now we still like, get those questions though so. yeah we do <laughs> but but it's uh, it's evolved so much that like did you ever think when we started that we'd be talking about legal marijuana? You I know think what that I mean? was one of the like, first few questions we got. Yeah, it was like, can, can you be a Christian and smoke weed? Smoke, and, smoke medicinal marijuana. Yeah, it was like one of the first yeah. questions we got was medicinal so, marijuana. Oh, man. What about recreational? Because now apparently that's legal in areas. So Define recreational. Right, right. <laughs> we were watching Parks and Rec the other day, and Ron Swanson said his goal in any interview is to be a hostile witness because he hates he hates being a witness. And so he says the way he does that is by answering every question with a question. Yeah. <laughs> is that why you're growing your beard out? Ron Swanson. No, that was a yeah, mustache. Yeah, he couldn't do the mustache, so he went for the full How beard. How do you feel nice. about the beard, Janela, since it's real and it's unshockable time? Be real. Be real with us. Do you like the Brillo pad on his face. The Brillo pad. That's no. You don't. You don't like it. What is wrong with you? I don't. I mean, I'm sorry. Hate See, that, was a, that was. I don't a, hate it. Okay. That was judgment. That was and, judgment. Yeah. I apologize. I don't hate it. I don't <laughs> love it. I like him when he has like a five o'clock shadow. Okay. I also hate when he has any kind of facial hair that's longer than a five o'clock shadow because he pets it. That's nice. That's a nice beard. It's he a, he I miss literally. Beard. It's a pets really nice beard it. though. It's full. Give Thick. it up for the good beard. Good beard. I've he gotten also, a lot of compliments. Yeah, on everybody. The beard. Has, everybody I mean, likes my so beard. So many. Even Literally. when he teaches, I get text message. Can you um, tell your husband that he looks great with a beard? I'm like, I could, uh-huh. but I could also keep that to myself. You have some beard oils. I oh am. yeah, he does. Nice. And he combs it. I comb it. my beard every day. <laughs> right. it looks I, good. I have I have a process. You do a beard oil and then a beard lotion afterwards. Ooh, no, oh, I've never done that. I'll yeah, it that. does smell good. I'll, I'll give him that. The oil and I've the lotion. A, I've got a product. It I got a brand smells good. Right. So at least Come it's on, like he guys. puts cologne awesome. on his. We'll talk face. about that afterwards in the end. All right, guys. I believe we've we got have two phone calls. Two phone calls. Good morning, Shock Therapy Live. You have a question? Oh, geez, I thought we were talking about eating flamingos again. Oh man, oh, this is embarrassing. Yeah. Do you have any other? Do you have any other bird location quips for us? <laughs> how are you, Nathan? Good, I bro. Talked to you for a long time, dude. How are you, man? Happy New Year. Happy New I'm, Year I'm to all you. Right. I'm busy and working and got a lot going on and you know normal uh, normal buck stuff. Dude, it's good to hear your voice. You too, man. I always like. I want to say still. I still want to come in and sit in with you and do shock. You know what, man? You should come do my radio show with me. Come on, I'll do it. That Let's go. Fun. You know, I keep I keep trying to get Dex and Steve-O to come down. Dex did come down one time, but yeah. Steve-O has Yeah, he didn't know how to run call. anything, so I don't know if I'm going to go and back. And to be fair, I was on my way out the door. I was moving, so I just didn't have time for local stuff yeah. anymore. So you now, let me run the board. now that I'm stuck here forever, like, <laughs> you wouldn't let me uh, captain the ship, so... Do you see how that is? It's like, yeah, you know, I'm okay. Uh, <laughs> you breaking I up, got Colin. bigger and better yeah. things I'm moving on yeah. to, and 
now it's like, oh, yeah, bro, I'm going to be here, so I'll do your show with you now. Yes, pretty much. I'll settle pretty for much. you. Buck, I'll do Good. your show anytime you want a buddy in there with you. I'll do your show. There you go. And you should come on Shock Therapy Live yeah. next Thursday, next he, Thursday morning. Can you just fill in for me from now on on Thursdays, and I could he could be a great captain of the you show. You know what? I, I will put it on the calendar, and I will be there next Thursday. I would love come to be on. Be Love it. All right. It's going to be love fun. It. All right. So. We'll see you later, buddy. All right. I just... I just right, talk to Nate. See you later, guys. <laughs> <laughs> good, to hear, good to hear your voice, Buck. We got other people calling, you man. You teach next weekend, by the way. That's fine. <laughs> I, I have to tell him his schedule so that he doesn't overbook himself. You know? Yeah. yeah. Hey, go My ahead. <laughs> go ahead, caller. You're on the show. Good morning. Good morning. I had, I had two quick questions. Well, one quick and one not so quick. The first is dealing with grief. I heard Steve-O say before uh, the uh, new year that his wife was formerly in a band called the Echo and Green. So I'm just grieving over the loss of another great band. Okay. <laughs> okay. Can I, can I say, by the way, you have a phenomenal voice. You do have a phenomenal voice. So if you want voice. a radio position. <laughs> well, creepy. I always say that because there's still a band, but then when I say that, it's like, come on, they haven't put new stuff out for a while, but they, they always talk about making new music. So I apologize for breaking your heart prematurely because they definitely are still a band. But they just aren't actively doing stuff in the moment. They're not the echoing green. They're How's the that? muted green. Yes, they're very muted right now. So, <laughs> Okay, sounds reasonable. So the other one's a little bit more serious. So I'm just kind of wondering about God's will and have I screwed up. Mm. Oh. So a little bit of background is I was adopted, and I don't really know any of my background or anything. Mm -hmm. So... And I have Asperger's. I don't know if you know what that is or not. Yeah. So anyways, and my wife has some mental health um, issues on her side of the family. You know, but um, so we have two biological kids, and then we felt called to adopt from another country. And this, we've had this other um, girl for about 10 years. And then I, I remember I was at church one day. And I'm, first of all, I'm a very logical guy. I'm not like, um, you know, I'm well-grounded. But I actually heard God speak to me. It's just like two things that just popped into my head, and I knew it was from him. The first is that I would adopt again. And the second is that I would become a spiritual giant. Well, so far, he's batting about 500 on that. I did adopt again. So we had an opportunity where there was another family in our church who adopted two children from the same country, and it was a sibling pair, and it was not working out with them. So we got those girls. But here's my question, though, is I felt like I've been doing God's will all this time, but the issue is that... You know, with my kids getting some bad genes as far as mental health, my son has Asperger's too, and sometimes I feel like I don't spend as much time with him, try, you know, trying to connect with him and get him over it. And my daughter has some issues too with things like, you know, anxiety and depression and stuff, and I think that led her a little bit into doing some self-harm. So I'm just wondering, you know, I feel like my first obligation is to my kids, you know, yeah. my biological kids and not the adopted ones. And part of me thinks by adopting, I kind of screwed up my bio kids. So I, I guess yeah. that's kind of what I'm struggling well, with right now. Let's approach this first from the standpoint. I think that in order for, for any adoption to be successful, we have to get in this mindset that the adopted kids are just as much our kids as our biological kids. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so you have to get in this mindset that let's say you had two biological kids and then actually had three more biological kids. Well, you would be responsible at that point to 
to care for all of them in the same manner, in the same fashion. Mm -hmm. And so you need to get your mindset in the standpoint where you treat all the kids as though they are all your biological kids. And what that means is uh, I have seen at times people have a tendency when they adopt a kid to treat that kid differently because they want to make sure that that kid feels a part of the family. So they will end up treating the adopted kid even better than the biological kids because they so want that adopted kid to adapt. Um, and so I think we need to get ourselves in this mindset uh, with adoption, with with just parenting in general. That's what I'm going to use because I think we need to get this mindset out of our culture. Um, it's being a parent, whether you're a, an, a, an adopted parent or whether you're a biological parent, it's being a parent. Being a parent is being a parent is being a parent. And we need to show all of our kids this love um, and this training, uh, training them up in the way that they should go, this care. Uh, that God desires for us to have for children just in general. So I think that that's important. And then number two, I want to approach from this standpoint because you said, man, have I have I gotten out of God's will in this area and have I messed it up? The beautiful thing about God's will is no matter how far we go or even if we do step outside of God's will, we always have an opportunity to go back into God's will. And that's what's incredible about the plan of God for our lives. It's not like, hey, you hop out of this circle and you're it's one and done. You can't get back in there. Your life is destined for failure after that point. The beautiful thing about God's will is there's always a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth, a sixth, a seventh opportunity. The reality is I can't go back in time and tell you whether or not you stepped outside of God's will doing anything in your life, whether you stepped outside of God's will in marrying your spouse or having kids or adopting kids or adopting more kids. Uh, I, I can't answer those questions. What I can look at is say that, man, from this point on, I firmly believe that even if you did at some point in your life step outside of God's will, you can step back into it and you can live a fulfilling and joyful life and you can see your family thrive and you can see uh, your life flourish. And I, I mean, I really get this from numerous Bible stories. You look at Samson who drastically stepped outside of the will mm -hmm. of God, was able to in the last moment step back into the will of God. You look at David who yeah. stepped drastically out of the will of God, but then stepped back into the will of God and was known at the end of his life as a man after God's own heart. You look at Abraham who stepped outside of the will of God, but God gave him another opportunity and he had an incredible son mm -hmm. named Isaac as he stepped back into the will of God. So the Bible is chock full of people who stepped outside of God's will, but God gave them another opportunity to continue persevering and seeking and following him. And so there's an incredible amount of hope there. And what I've always told people is that if you want to know the will of God for your life, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and then do whatever you want. And, and it sounds counterintuitive, but it's based on this idea that if we are completely loving, desiring, and serving God with our entire heart, soul, and mind, then the things that we naturally want to do will be the things that God wants us to do. And so what I would encourage you with your family is to obviously, first and foremost, love God and seek him with your whole entire heart. Secondly, love your family equally in, in, a, in a beautiful love. I would say the way that should even go is love God, love your wife, and then love your kids, all your kids, your adopted kids and your biological kids in, in an equal fashion. Well, well, that's one thing I have done is I have made an effort to treat all of them equally. But another part of me is um, I didn't have to t to adopt uh, these kids, and if I didn't, you know, maybe my biological kids would be mentally healthier. So I mean, it'd be horrible for me to yeah. But so what I'm talking know, about do is a flipping. wonderful thing for these for the, for these adopted kids, but then my bio kids wind up screwed up for the rest of their lives. But so what I'm saying is you got to flip your thinking. We can't go yeah. back and say, did I do the right thing or the wrong thing? The reality is you did it. Uh -huh. And now as a believer, now as a Christian, you are just as responsible to those kids that you adopted as you are to your biological kids. And what I'm saying to you is you got to get to this point. Now that you've made this decision and you have done it, 
is unique to this place in your life where you even stop separating them is by doing this great thing for these adopted kids, by these kids that aren't mine, did I do something bad for my kids who are mine? That thinking needs to be expunged from your mind and you get to a place where I did it. Whether that was, uh, look, you're not gonna be able to know this side of eternity, whether that was God's will for your life or not. Now, I would say, I would probably argue that it was God's will because anytime we care for the least of these, anytime we go out of our way to care for those who are in need, that is God's will for our lives. Yeah. Dying to ourselves and doing something for someone who is drastically in need. So. I would yeah. say 99% of the time that is God's will for our lives, but you need to now get this out of your thinking of even separating these two people. The reality is you did it. You you did it. You adopted these kids. Now, at this point, you can't look back and say, was that the right decision? Now you need to look forward and say, that was the right decision, and I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that all of my kids are living a healthy, thriving life. Yeah. Right. And let me encourage you a little bit, man, um, because I grew up in a crazy... <laughs> home crazy situation and my mom made a lot of decisions that were detrimental to my well-being and my faith and who I was now on one hand I could look at that and say wow she really she really made some wrong choices so she screwed me up for the rest of my life but that's not true because God has this incredible ability of taking the horrible and redeeming it and using it for his glory. And there have been a lot of things in my life that when I look back on knowing full well that my family made some really poor choices and the wrong decisions, absolutely, um, God still redeemed it and used it for his glory. And I have the ability to talk to people uh, in a way that others maybe can't because they haven't experienced some of the hardships, the pain, the abuse uh, that I experienced. And so don't put that on you as if you are God, because what I'm hearing from you is like, man, I made this choice and now my children are screwed for the rest of their lives because God's way bigger than your one decision that you think possibly might maybe have hurt them for the rest of their lives. Like, yeah. don't even stress about that because they're before they're your it's children, good. they're God's. And so they have their own path and their own story and their own faith that they're going to have to lean on that is apart from any decision you've ever made. So I would take a little of that pressure off you because you're you're not you're not God, man. You really are. Well, aren't. and I would also encourage you whether you had two biological or six biological. As soon as you go from 2 to 6, Two kids have 50% of your time. Then six have a 6% of your time. Yeah. I would focus in on whether they were biologically yours or not and whether you intended to have babies or not and you made that choice. Sometimes people have kids when they are, think they're done and they're not done and now they have to divide their time and their attention with that next child. Yeah. I would just say focus in. You have, what, five to six babies and love them the way they need to be loved. Maybe your son or, or daughter with Asperger's needs to be shown how to deal with that. And so that's what you focus on with that child. Mm -hmm. Perhaps these adopted children have emotional issues because of their upbringing or when you adopted them. And you can h focus in on that need. So just don't. Don't take it as, oh, I now have to, you know, not give as much attention to my biological and more attention to them or equal attention. Find out what they need mm -hmm. most. And, and that's what you devote that 6% of your time to yeah. loving them the way they need to be loved 
and because they're all individuals and so they all need something different. And then what I would say, just what I was talking about, about this idea of even if you did step outside of the will of God, you can step back into it. The reason why that's so important, and I believe you need to keep that in mind, is we as humans are so future oriented. And you're right now stuck in this place of looking at the future and saying, man, by me making this decision in the past, have I screwed up their future? And recognize this, and this is where I say step back into the will of God um, into your life, is that fear and faith both believe in a future that they can't see. Mm, so keep good. that in perspective. Fear and faith both believe in a future they can't see. Fear believes in a future that things are going to be bad. They made these decisions. They made these mistakes. Everything's not going to work out. Life's going to be hard for those around you. That's fear, and you're believing in fear, and fear is believing in a future that it can't yet see. But faith, faith that God is big, faith that God is good, faith that God still has a plan, a future, and a hope, and a will for you and your kids' lives. Faith also believes in a future that it can't see, but faith has the power of God behind it. Fear has the power of Satan behind it. So I would just encourage you to recognize that fear and faith are both a, a belief. You just need to choose which one you're going to step into. Yeah. Okay, sounds good. And one last thing is, can you be forgiven if you've eaten a flamingo? Oh, <laughs> good question. Good I question. Mean, that's all right. <laughs> I don't know. Google it, buddy. Google it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> we'll see Google you, man. It. Thank you. <sighs> wow. wow. Yeah, Shock Therapy Live, if you guys want to call in, 505-338-3700. Any questions in porn in? Well, I I assumed we were taking a break since we were over by like 15 minutes. Gosh, I keep forgetting. Thanks, Dan. (laughs) Keep forgetting. All right, we'll be back. Call in. We'll let you know the high. Yes, Janae will give us the high. What is it today? Oh, no, I can look it up. Ooh, it's warm. Mm -hmm. We're live from the DreamStar Remodeling Stardew Studios. We'll be right back. Welcome to the show. That was the best intro back into the show ever. Mm-hmm. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh. I loved The Secret of Nim. That was one of my favorite um, animated cartoons when I was a young kid. You know, I was just a wee little lad. Just loved little Nate gophers. recently introduced our kids to what was it? Fife- Fifle? Fifle goes well. Oh, that, that, that what? One? American oh. Tale 2. Yeah. Man. <laughs> it's a fantastic movie. Wait, are we movie. really watching The Secret of Nim right now? Yeah, dude. That is one of Chrissy's favorites. I love this movie. Gosh. It's kind of sad in the beginning. I don't understand this scary guy. Why are we not no, watching this? No. We have, we have questions. No, we don't have this. Is... This. My bad, <laughs> I love that you can just stream that, though. What are you using? Are you, yes. It's called YouTube. He no. has read the pre- YouTube oh, Red or whatever premium. Premium. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I get to watch cool things like The Secret of Nim. Okay, you watch that, okay. and uh, we will answer this question. Okay. Mostly for Janae, probably. Yeah. What are effective and helpful ways for a single dude to be a Christian friend to a married woman? I'm a single guy, and I absolutely hate small talk. I also understand that asking deeper questions can build intimacy that I don't need to build with everyone, but I don't want to avoid my sisters in Christ. Thoughts? Avoid them. (laughs) Well, come on. Let's clarify (laughs) There's only one way... That I believe biblically you can have a friendship with a married woman if you're a single guy. And that is that if you're also friends with the husband. Yes. So like but we I think have primarily, single guys who are friends yeah. of ours that will invite over to hang out with us. But 
if I found out that you were hanging yeah, with those single guys alone. Yeah, but they're primarily your friends and they become my friends. What if I was like, hey, I want to bring John over. Who's John? And he's my friend. Who the heck is John? And you're yeah. like, cool, yeah, let's all be friends. But you know that he primarily came, the connection was made with me. That's what is difficult, I find. Yeah. Because that is a level of intimacy that I've made a connection with this man and now I'm saying, let's all be buddies where it's different when you have a guy friend and he goes, hey, meet my wife. Or you yeah. have a guy friend and he says, meet my girlfriend. And that evolves into we're all friends. But primarily my connection is with my guy buddy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's, it's just a, a very sticky situation. If you want to be, um, I think I get that you don't like superficial conversation, but you're you're playing with a little bit of fire if you're pursuing a form of intimacy in a friendship with a woman yeah. especially when she's married i would never want to put myself or her in a, a position where she's now communicating and talking to you because she feels like it's easier to talk to you than it is to talk to her husband she's just trying to understand men better you know mm -hmm. and i think that's where it goes oftentimes is that she sees an advocate in you or she sees you know Someone she, she can confide in and it yeah. becomes much more and, deep than it should. And here's the reality. The biblical basis for this is a few things. Number one, um, we want to flee the appearance of evil mm -hmm. and this can create an appearance of evil. Uh, number two, we want to make sure that we are esteeming our brothers and sisters higher than ourselves and we're not leading others into temptation. You've got to recognize that although to you, you might find this maybe this person or these married women not attractive. And so you're thinking, oh, nothing's going to happen. I just want to be a good Christian brother in Christ. But you got to realize that for women, a huge amount of attraction is emotional attraction. Yeah. And so if you become a safe place for them to confide in and talk and you build intimacy, as you're saying, they can begin to be tempted and desire a relationship with you. And we as Christians are called to esteem others higher than ourselves and not lead other people into temptation. So that's a huge aspect of this. So, the, I mean, biblically, those are kind of the reasons why you want to stay away from doing that. Somebody wants to know if it's different uh, if you're friends before a marriage, like longtime friends, or if it's somebody that you've met after you're married. I think it becomes your spouse's call. Like, okay. I know I had friends who were girls before I was dating or married to Janae, and I know she had guys who were friends. I think mm -hmm. it becomes a question. It's like, hey, I don't feel comfortable with you being friends with that person anymore. And then at that point, I'm like, okay, cool. I, I, at that point, I see my wife higher than this friendship that I've had. Okay. So I think it really becomes a conversation at that point with the spouse. Yeah. Got a phone call. Ooh, good morning. Uh, hello, can you hear me? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, perfect. Um, so I kind of had a, a question as it pertains to, um, like, mentorship. So just a really quick background. Um, at a previous church that I was at for about four years, I uh, served immediately under um, the youth pastor there, uh, who was also the young adult pastor, and uh, grew really uh, uh, close in terms of being a leader under him, and he kind of became a mentor of mine um, for about four years. Um, but I know that kind of during that time that I had the, the propensity to, uh, I guess even idolize would be the, the right term to kind of, you know, take everything they said uh, kind of as, the exact thing that that I need to do, and and to kind of put them a little bit on on a higher pedestal, um, and maybe even at times on the throne of my heart when I know Christ should remain on the throne of my heart. And so, fast forward to today, that that relationship uh, kind of was broken off, um, 
uh, just because I, I found out that you know some things in in their church uh, were uh, just kind of didn't fit well with me, you know, doctrinally in terms of like a, a word of faith uh, type of association, and so I've since refined my theology and found a great home church where I, I'm having the opportunity to serve again as a leader and to come under. Uh, the senior pastor there and serve in, in student leadership and stuff, but I know my history with sometimes putting those that uh, mentor me a little bit on a higher pedestal than they should be in, um, and I want to make sure that I prevent that from happening again, um, and I just wanted to know what are what are the best ways to guard my heart, I guess, against, uh, against that, and to be mindful of that, and, and when is a good telltale sign to know of when things are crossing the line from just being somebody that I really look forward to, uh, like look up to in my life, um, uh, versus someone that I'm making an idol in my life. Yeah, I mean, I think that I think that you're on the right track. I think a big part of it is the knowledge of the propensity to do that, and it's just guarding against that and recognizing in your heart. Again, I can't tell you when that line is because it really is a line in your heart where you begin to idolize this person or where you begin to take what they say above what the Bible says. Um, I think in general, it's important with any relationship, especially any spiritual relationship we have with someone over us, that we're constantly testing all things. Mm -hmm. The Bible says, be as the brains, mm -hmm. testing all things. Now, there's a right way and a wrong way to do that. Some people feel like they're sin sniffers and they've got to constantly be with the person over them saying, well, is that really biblical? That's not helpful either, mm -hmm. um, and, and I think that comes to a place um, where that, that can be very, very unhealthy for leadership, spiritual leadership in our lives. But I think you need to know that propensity in your heart, and when you feel and you sense that you're heading towards a place of idolization or you're heading towards a place of unhealth, you just need to have those spiritual check marks within your own heart that you know and that you can put some distance in between you and the propensities that you have. So this is part of just self-discipline and self-leadership. And for you, it might be this tendency uh -huh. to idolize people, but every single person has these things that they struggle with, and we need yeah. to learn how to individually within our own hearts be able to mitigate against that and be able to sense when that's coming and put roadblocks in the way of that happening for any sin in our lives. Uh -huh. And so, um, again, there's not a foolproof, hey, do this, because it really is something that, Probably, and I would say for most people, it's not visible outwardly. It's only visible for you inwardly. Most people probably look at what you're doing saying, oh, man, that's awesome. That guy's really serving. He's really becoming involved. He really uh, you know, has that pastor's back, and he really just wants to serve that pastor. And so from the outward standpoint, probably everything looks good. But in your heart, you can sense that you're idolizing him. So it really is a heart issue that you need to be able to keep checks and balances in your heart and notice when you're heading that direction and course correct. Boom. Boom. Thanks, awesome. bro. Not Thank you. I, I, I appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. Love yeah, you, Thanks, man. All right, Shark Therapy Live. When did you know I was an idol in your heart, Nate? When did you realize you needed to take first me off? Sight, oh, man. Baby, first sight. No, first sight. <laughs> well, it happened that one time you came over a little bit Whoa. later than normal. Yeah. Oh, gosh. And, dude. And you guys I played World of Warcraft? Yeah. I For think that, it was actually. When I heard your voice over the phone. And it we was were, when you helped me beat the dragon okay. in the dungeon. You can be my mate anytime, <laughs> oh, okay. bro. Yeah. Anytime. And then that one time <laughs> when we'll I was right about back. to die and you healed me we'll with right your back. priest spells. Shock Therapy Live continues when we come back. The Morning Invasion with Dex and Steve-O. Guys, follow the formula. Gosh, I tried. <laughs> 
Ah, uh, we got a few more minutes, guys. Yep, yep. Okay. Hit us. <clears throat> Hit us. I have a question for Pastor Nate. I have a friend who is open to the word of God, but the biggest thing is she is gay and says she has felt attracted to women her whole life. Uh, she has questions if God could really change that. And if not, is she destined to fight her urges if she decides to accept Christ and his word? Um, so I guess my real questions are, can you be homosexual and make heaven your home? And if you're, if you're trying to, how do you even try that? And if you fail or fall to temptation, how do you deal with that when there aren't very many resources for in, those individuals these days? I just don't know what to tell her. So the short, quick answer is the answer to that is the same answer to every other sin. Yeah. And so, yes, can you struggle with homosexuality and be a Christian? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you mess up and fall into it and repent and still be a Christian? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, can God take it away? Yes. Will God take it away? Not necessarily. Right. Could you be forced to struggle with the propensity towards the sin for the rest of your life? Yes. Can you still be a Christian while doing that? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so the answer to all of those questions is the same answer to any sin. Um, now, I would recommend, I've recommended this book a million times on uh, Shock Therapy Live. It's called Single Gay Christian. It's written by a guy who really is in the same place as this girl who, you know, believed the Bible, believed what the Bible said, and had a lot of these questions. And this book really works through these questions and I think finds a really healthy place, a healthy medium for that. And I have friends, I've known people who have the same struggle and they've kind of determined in their heart that the the calling that God has put on their lives is to remain a celibate person for the glory of God. So uh, again, the answer for this for me is the same answer for any sin. I believe that we are born sinners and we are born with the propensity towards sin. If we believe that overarching large belief that yes, we're born sinners, yes, we can be born with the propensity towards sin, I don't know why so many Christians have a hard time admitting that you can be born with a propensity towards homosexuality or from a very young age you can like the same sex. And a lot of Christians want to say, well, that's not possible. It's a choice. Look, we're born sinners. We're born with a propensity towards sin. Some people are born with a propensity towards alcohol or drugs. Some are born with a propensity to hurt people or hurt animals. Some are born with a propensity to like the opposite sex. We're born with a propensity. We're born sinners. And so um, I, I think we, in order to have this conversation logically with people who struggle with homosexuality, we need to stop forcing them to be in this place well well it's a choice and you're choosing to do that we need to stop and 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 start the conversation from a different place start from a place of understanding a place of original sin and understanding of what sin is and the root causes of sin and all of that the reality is that the basis for christianity is denying yourself and taking up your cross and following christ so whether you're a homosexual or whether uh you are a heterosexual the basic call for me as a human is to deny myself to take up my cross and follow christ and that means that i'm going to deny the urge and desire to have sex with people before marriage i'm going to deny the desire to look at pornography i'm going to deny uh the desire to have sex outside of my marriage and and cheat on my wife if i find someone else attractive i'm going to deny those desires and i'm going to take up my cross and follow christ so the same is true in homosexuality the sin of homosexuality is a sin in the bible uh can that sin be forgiven yes um the 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 goal for homosexual needs to be the same goal for anyone else struggling with sin is to deny yourself and your desires and what you want to do and live as unto christ Mm. it's good there we go yeah people chiming in like good good answer cruz i know a few gay christians i love this question um man that book we've we've brought up that book many a times 
And I'm glad that people are actually talking about it and having that conversation these days. Because I, I would say they're correct in the fact that there's not a whole lot of resources, but there's still resources available now that weren't available even as you know, little as five years ago or something. Yeah, I think the biggest thing we need to approach from a place of Christians is defining our terms and calling yourself a gay Christian. We need to define what that means. Mm. I believe it's possible to be a Christian and struggle with, with, with the propensity towards that sin, to struggle with homosexuality. I do not believe it's possible to be a Christian and be practicing any consistent, habitual lifestyle of sin and still be a believer. That is not just exclusive to homosexuality. I don't believe it's uh, possible to be a Christian and be practicing a lifestyle uh, of addiction or be practicing a lifestyle of cheating on your wife or be practicing a lifestyle of stealing. Um, when we get into a sin and we're practicing it habitually, it's not right. it's not possible to be a practicing homosexual and be a Christian, just as it's not possible to be a practicing sinner of any other sin where it's a habitual lifestyle sin right. and still be a believer. Um, so I think we need to clarify our terms when we say gay Christian uh, of what that means. Now, I still think that there's, there is there is a need for people to identify and say, look, by saying gay, this clarifies for people the struggles that I have and it clarifies right. who I am. And we live in a society where titles and an understanding of titles, it's important. Um, there's a reason why doctors want to be called doctors. There's a reason why professors want to be called professors because it's a clarifying title and it describes part of their story of who they are and what brought them to where they are in their lives. So I think that there is uh, some... Um, desire and, and and i understand some need for people to identify as look by saying gay that helps people identify with where i've been my story who i am mm -hmm. but we need to clarify what that means yeah. when i say i'm a gay christian that doesn't mean that i'm a practicing gay christian but it identifies part of my story now mm -hmm. that adds to uh people talking about this because uh it brings up the question okay so what do you do about a friend that is gay is a christian but does not believe that being gay is a sin and their church also reiterates that you know being gay is not a sin so how yeah. do you approach that i think you walk them through the scripture of it i mean we don't we have four minutes of show right, right, right. there's a lot to yeah. get into with this a lot. i do think that that book that i mentioned before a single gay christian is a good place to start because this is somebody who was a, a homosexual who struggled with homosexuality and in his own study of the bible to try to convince himself that it was okay to practice it discovered that he could not do that, that biblically right. it was not a biblical stance to say that he could continue to practice that lifestyle and be a Christian. So that's a good place to start because it's not written by a heterosexual trying to tell other to tell people who aren't the same as him that they're doing something wrong. It's written by somebody who struggles with that very sin and comes to that conclusion themselves. Yeah. And that's huge. I think part of the problem with the church's discussion of this in the past is all the books about homosexuality historically have been written by heterosexuals. And that's a really bad place to start. It's a really bad place to come from because it's all of a sudden people who don't have the same struggles as you saying, oh, you can change. Oh, you don't have to feel that way. Oh, you don't have to be that way. It's a choice. And it becomes a really unhealthy conversation. Yeah, as well as Romans and Corinthians. Yeah. Corinthians is great. It, it kind of generalizes uh, sin nature and realizing that you can't live for Christ while living in that lifestyle with those around you. It kind of generalizes sin as a whole. And then Romans is much more specific. But mm -hmm. yeah, generalized sin as a whole. But the issue with people that you're talking about there is they don't believe biblically that homosexuality is a sin. They'll go to a place of saying, well, the word for homosexual here isn't what we're talking about of a love, but a true love between a man and a man. They'll say it's rape uh, or things like that. So, uh, but again, that book that I just mentioned, it really goes into the understanding, the Greek understanding of some of those things 
from the perspective of a homosexual man. So it can yeah. be very helpful. Boom. All Here's right, down. guys. That's Isaac, crazy. We are done. Thank you, Stormy. Shock Therapy Live. If you missed any of it, guys, you can go back. YouTube, iTunes, through the app at Star 88 FM. Have a beautiful day. High six. Love you guys. See ya. See you next time. See ya. Hello? Anyone? Yeah, yeah. I'm see out. Ya. Oh, just wanted to hear no, you. I'm never coming here again. We'll see you all Tuesday. All right. <laughs> Have a safe trip, Steve. All right. Bye, guys.